0: This is the Average Guy Network and you have found Cyber Frontiers, show number one, recorded on January 31st, 2014. Cyber Frontiers is all about the exploring of cybersecurity, big data, and the technologies shaping our future through an academic perspective. Christian Johnson, a student at the University of Maryland, and I will be your hosts. Never on a schedule, but always up to date. We are broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska, and actually Christian's on site at the University of Maryland. And we post the show and show notes out at, at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can send those to us. Contact me via email. Just Jim underscore Collison. I uh, know that's just Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. And you can find me on Twitter at JCollison Or now you can call in those questions to us if you just want to dial 402-478-8450. And uh, if you have those questions uh, can make it onto the show, we'll just play them in their entirety and get those answered as we do this. All right. Christian, you and I have been spending a lot of time talking about this over the last three or four months, way back in the very beginning. So if you go back to the very beginnings of home tech, uh, we branded a section of home tech for you called Christian's Corner. And uh, it was meant to kind of be, in my mind, it was like a 10-minute breakout of something from you real quick, but it never really ended up that way. You know, (laughs) it, it, it kind of morphed into some moments, you know, there were some times you'd bring in some deals and there was time you would, but, but every once in a while we'd get these real gems where you would run off for about 20 minutes talking to us about something that you were very passionate about. And, and eventually here in the last year or so, we've been thinking, you know, maybe we should break that out into its own podcast. And so we've spent some time wrestling with the concept, wrestling with the ideas. Uh, A couple weeks ago uh, in, in uh, mid January or so we, you kind of birthed the idea of Cyber Frontiers. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you're thinking with this podcast and uh, kind of where you'd like to see it go.
1: Sure. So uh, really a lot of the communication and a lot of what you see on the Internet and I think in podcast culture is very kind of specific towards either gadgetry or, you know, computing gear or the latest you know, app coming out and, and and on the reverse spectrum you can find some really good education podcasts but oftentimes they're not um, particularly focused in computer science and they don't or, and, and even if you can find something that's really disciplined in computer science it's very rare that you find something that has an application to a specific field within computer science. Uh, So one of the primary goals in doing this is that I'm hoping to take really big ideas that, you know, the average guy really doesn't have exposure to, really doesn't um, interact with or even think about in their daily lives and really taking advantage of all the resources and education that is provided at the University of Maryland and kind of spinning that off into this show in such a way that, bringing these ideas behind what is big data, what is cybersecurity, what are some of these future technologies, and A, drawing some parallels to how they're going to change how we do things in our our modern, present-day computing situation. Um, But even more importantly, I really want to dig into the historical aspects, the current event aspects, uh, but ultimately even the technical aspects so that an average guy who has no idea about these topics can start to get some introductory exposure, um, can start to look for things in the news and start to um, absorb some media about these areas and also have a technical perspective. And to be honest, I'm not really sure what level of uh, technical experience people are going to be gravitating towards who are listening to this. Um, My hope though is that anyone who can log on to a computer and can get onto the internet uh, will be able to enjoy this show. So it's really I'm hoping to kind of interact with a large uh, group of people from people who have no idea about these topics to people who are uh, maybe enthusiasts or maybe want to contribute to some content Uh, And we're going to do that through, you know, I'm going to do some training and some examples and some demos. I'm going to do some historical discussions. I'm going to talk about some events in the news and how they're applicable. Uh, But I also really hope to get some interviews happening on the show, especially because uh, the University of Maryland is a research institution, and we have some of the best researchers in the world on campus. And, you know, fortunately they're very accessible to undergraduate students and I think their voices especially are really cool and are really worth um, having you know people who aren't exposed to these topics all that often have an opportunity to listen to those professors and those researchers And, and really you know if you're not a university student or you haven't been one for a long time this is uh, somewhat of a unique opportunity because my hope is to breathe um, an academic perspective into the podcast so that you know it's not just me sitting here rambling about something or it's not just you know rambling about something that is written out on the internet but that we really get an academic published perspective so that it's almost like you're gleaning off some of the benefits and some of the things that you would have if you were actually sitting at this university going to the classes that I go to um, and you were either a student or a researcher of some sort. So I think there's a lot of places we can go with this. I really am hopeful that Um, as we start to get a user base and people start to take interest that um, they'll kind of bring some feedback and guidelines and what they want to see but I'm in a really unique place with the show right now where it's show number one obviously um, but more importantly it's really the first semester I've had here on campus where I'm pretty much full-time computer science cybersecurity so you know only Three out of the 18 credits I'm taking this semester are non-cybersecurity or computer science related. Which, if you think about it, that's that's my childhood dream, a. But uh, more importantly, um, I'm getting a huge dose of this every day of the week, and you know, I think it's important to share a. Um, but b, I'm hoping to make it a little bit more applicable and try and frame it towards these topics so that everyone can enjoy it instead of just you know the academic. Um,
0: academic uh, user base. So. Yeah, you know, I tell people all the time, podcast what you already do. And I, I think we've been thinking about this. You've had a lot of good things in your first semester there to talk about. And so I think we're just going to take advantage of that. You're a busy guy. You got a lot of homework. You got a lot of things going on. If we can talk about some of the things we're already doing, I like the fact that you kind of say you know, it's, it, it'll give you an opportunity to kind of feel like you're taking the, the classes along uh, with Christian at the University of Maryland and get an, an, an opportunity. Christian, I think as we move along, the, uh, your career services and your, the folks that do outreach are going to probably want to uh, jump on a little bit because, you know, it's a big advertisement for the, for the University of Maryland as well. And uh, hopefully if we do a good enough job, they'll see it that way. Let me just do a bit of housekeeping. So you're hearing this and you think, wait a minute, where did home tech go? because I'm going to drop this into the home tech feed for, oh, I don't know, the first three to five podcasts will probably include this in the home tech feed. Just so you guys who listen to home tech really get an opportunity to hear it. If it's not of interest to you, stop it now. Wait for the next home tech to come up. We continue to do those. Those aren't going to change. Christian's still going to be on the show from time to time. That none of that stuff will change. It'll still be in the feed. We'll do three to five of these, and it'll drop out of the feed, and it'll have its own feed. Everything will be separate. So, just so you think, just so you know, if you're a Home Tech listener, don't go away. We haven't changed the Home Tech format. That it's going to change to Home Gadget Geeks going forward uh, here in the next couple, oh, a month or two. I just I got to get my act together to get that done. Don't walk away from that give this, this podcast a chance, listen to three or four if you don't like it. It's going to disappear from the feed anyways eventually, and we'll get a chance uh, you'll get a chance to, uh, to move over to a new feed. So that's just a little technical bit of how the podcast will actually work. Christian, let's dive right in because you got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, you know, a big data is kind of the current buzzword in, in the industry, right? It has, It has caught on. I'm hearing everybody saying it. Um, I think there's some people who are saying it who probably shouldn't be saying it uh, because they don't, you know, they think anything is big data. You know, anytime data is involved, it's now big data, right? But why don't you walk us through a little bit what you know big data. With the other word we mention a lot is cybersecurity, and that is maybe a word that's been around a little bit longer or at least in the limelight a little bit longer. Um, and as we think about breaches and stuff at Target and those kinds of things, cybersecurity has really been exposed. So. Why don't you spend a few minutes walking through some definitions of both big data and cybersecurity? Sure.
1: So big data really has its origins in the fact that data has kind of gotten to this point where up until around the year 2001 or 2002 or so, you know, we, we had only produced so much data, but then all of a sudden... Um, We started producing the amount of data that we created since the time humanity existed to the year 2002 every year. And and that number is just getting uh, larger and larger. Um, So we're now looking... Um, petabytes is a, is a very common kind of figure that gets thrown at as, you know, what is what quantifies big data? Well, if you have petabytes worth of data, you're probably there. Or if you have multiple terabytes of data, you're probably there. Um, but really in terms of the world data and the amount of information flow that's happening on the internet, we're talking about uh, zeta bytes of data which um, by 2020 will probably be about 35 uh, zeta bytes worth of data And, you know, I'll let you guys go ahead and, for your homework assignment, look up how much that is starting from uh, zettabytes and working your way down to megabytes. And then you can divide that by the average number of uh, megabytes a song on your iPod has. And then you can calculate how many songs on your iPad or iPod, I guess it doesn't really make a difference these days, um, is big data. Um, And so, really, it, it... The formal definition that you'll find on Wikipedia is a term for collection of data sets so large and complex that it becomes difficult to process using on hand uh, database management tools or traditional data processing applications. So what does that actually mean? Well, in the last 10 years or so of how we've done data or data science, a lot of that data that we store and that we work with is databases. So the kind of the dawn of relational database management is you know, one of the cornerstones of enterprise computing. Um, most every company, especially all Fortune 500s, but most any company that has a computer in their network Um, has a database of some kind. Whether it's a database that stores payroll data, a database that stores employee information, a database that stores research journals, um, a database that stores your credit card data, Um, everything has uh, really in the past 10 years with the explosion of web 2.0 and you know dynamically generating applications has gone to relational databases and you know relational databases bring a lot of good things um, to describing data it allows us to uh, put structured data in a nice way it allows us to create relationships between different data and different tables and then go ahead and put those in a way that we're storing and retrieving information as we need and as our applications need and that framework has really worked so far for um, quite some time and obviously is still being used as a majority in terms of, you know, where do we store our data? Um, but really, you know, things have started to take a shift because now we're, we're getting to a point where the problems that we want to solve, whether it's in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, you know, they're much larger than one particular data set. So you really need a large data set. You really need a large... Um, larger perspective in order to find answers to problems to look for trends and to gain analytics and uh, you know it's almost it's almost like tunnel vision right if you're if you're driving down uh, under a tunnel you can only see so much uh, in front of your vehicle right and so that means you only have so much information about you know what cars are in front of you behind you what lanes you can change into Um, but big data is almost as if that tunnel isn't there and that you can see hundreds of miles in front of you and hundreds of miles in your rearview mirror Um, and what that allows us to do really is look for problems and and look for solutions that we can't quantify with current data techniques and what I mean by that is that uh, some of these issues that we want to look for solutions for require processing petabytes worth of data and your traditional script kitty kind of solution where you write a script or you write an SQL command and you stick it in a database well that doesn't really start to work uh, to scale when you're talking about big data Um, in a a traditional uh, relational database world you know big data suffers very um, dramatically and that's mostly because you can't run anything useful across a large data set like that and get the answer within, uh, you know, 10 minutes. You'd be lucky if you got it within three years if you tried to take an SQL approach to some of the big data problems that we're handling right now. Mm -hmm. And so this really has impacted a lot of industries uh, primarily corporate sector we see a lot of business intelligence has found a huge place in you know uh, mining big data for kind of changing business operations and finding smarter ways to do business and um, really developing the business lifecycle in such a way that they're making smarter decisions than their competitors because they see that that larger picture of how their company's been operating over time. So business intelligence is a huge area, uh, but this is really going to, and, and it already has, but uh, more so I personally see that by 2020 this is going to kind of be at a next, the next level. But um, big data really is something that spans more than just you know how can, how can we sell more products. Um, I and I've talked about this before on home tech and some of the breakout sessions we've done you know look at General Electric they just recently did a, uh, a promotion where they showed how the electrical grid is uh, redistributing electricity from uh, different energy sources based on the data it gets back from its own grid so y- y- your mind kinda sits and thinks well wait a second you know people think of data traditionally that the quote average guy thinks of data as what we generate and type on a keyboard it's a word document it's a financial report it's a news article but now the systems were creating and this has happened for quite some time but I think people are are really starting to see the value in it that systems themselves are communicating and generating data and, and that is why we've had such an explosion in data that um, really you know everyone asks well Uh, where does this data come from? It's coming from your computer, it's coming from our electrical grid, you know, it's coming from the very infrastructure of the Internet itself and even if you're uh, completely away from your keyboard and even if everyone were to step away from their keyboard, you know, data would still be getting generated and it would be getting generated um, in the terabytes uh, per minute that it is right now. And so, really we start to see something where it's a, it's a network of things and so just as if the internet is interconnected and, and everything communicates through the internet, the internet is now just acting as a pipeline for data science and so we're really seeing big data manifest itself in this uh, internet architecture which is really a, a better word is a global information system where you know, now it's it's not just about the information we put in the systems, but it's about the information that the, that the systems that we have built are generating themselves, and, and they're very kind of self-describing and, and self-explaining, and the way I like to think of it is a, a quote uh, from Shirley Ann Jackson, who I believe is the president at RPI still, and uh, she's quoted saying, quote, big data and network science are going to merge, marrying the Internet of Data with the Internet of Things in new ways, and this will be world-changing. Just as in the 1800s there was a shift from electricity as a curiosity to a commodity made possible by the emergence of electrical engineering, so too now are we in the midst of a shift in data as a commodity, and more importantly as a resource, in ways not previously imagined." So. We're starting to see that big data is becoming just as accessible and usable as electricity, which powers you know all of the things we're talking about right now. So big data, in and of itself, is going to become you know quote some kind of energy source that's going to provide these uh, next generation analytics techniques and really. A new generation of how we do research, how we do science, how we run businesses, um, and and it is going to be truly, as she says, uh, world changing.
0: Um, Christian, th- let, let me sure. let me interrupt you for a second. Wouldn't you say that data? You know, when we, traditionally, when we think of creating data, the PC has been the, the the major source of data creation. But do do you see us really moving away from that now? And really, most of the data is being created by the GPS on our phones, right? It's being created by the phone calls that we make, the data stuff that we transfer. And I think about wearables. I mean, I, I, for, for, I've been wearing this Fitbit Force which collects all, I mean, every second it's collecting data about me. Uh, this shift in big data really moves away from PCs, although PCs create data, but it really moves its way into every single thing that can generate a bit of information, right? So from weather to traffic patterns, to your car i mean think how much data your car generates in a day you just in it just going from point a to point b temperature speed you know those kinds of things wear and tear that kind of stuff
1: Absolutely, and uh, in fact, the reality of the situation is that actually mobile devices are accounting for one of the largest sources of data in that uh, total amount of zettabytes that I quote to you that we have. Um, The kind of revolution in mobile devices has really, really, in a scary way, accelerated the pace at which data is being generated, so you're absolutely right. Um, And that's, uh, quote, world changing because that device is, is with you so you know you're interfacing with the device almost in a way where it's it's kind of like a second-life personal assistant where you're relying on it to be able to interface with this information grid from wherever you are right so that's kind of why beyond using your computer as a workstation, you know to absorb and be a consumer we now don't need anything more than our mobile devices if we just want to be consumers we can happily be consumers on mobile devices and that's the end of it and, and really you know, the only thing you're consuming on a desktop at this point is either video, multimedia, you know, or actually doing work, like word processing, writing emails, etc. But, you know, if you just want to sit back and be a consumer, your phone is the perfect place to do it. And, I mean, think about all the things that your phone uh, provides you. I mean, just the fact that you can get out to the internet from almost anywhere on a data plan, um, pull back an entire um, world history, uh, current events, temperature, weather, the nearest restaurant to eat at, um, where your friends are within a three-block radius. I mean, these devices are, are becoming uh, self-generating data sources, and the more we use them, the more they become self-generating, not just in the information we are reading and using but the information that the phone is gathering about how we use the device which is a really big shift when you think about how applications are being developed and you're really starting to see a much more um, Kind of interactive machine learning approach where you know applications learn what it is you want out of it, um, but that also has much larger implications um, yeah, yeah, than yeah. just you know user preferences, obviously.
0: I, I almost see the PC as 2D and the and mobile devices or wearables because uh, the you know a, a mobile device is pretty much a wearable in a lot of ways. The way we the way we use it and it's always on us. It's always with us. I almost see this as 3D you know, in the data sets that we get. And, and really, I mean, that that, uh, that analogy starts to break down, but there's, like you said, there's so much data they can collect in so many different dimensional spaces. Because it's no longer, the PC is restricted to the home. You kind of just work on it. It's just stuff, right? You might, so you, you buy something to Amazon, it creates a data point. It's not moving around with you. It's not measuring humidity. It's not measuring your traffic patterns. It's not measuring how fast you're going. It's not measuring whether you're walking, riding, driving, or flying. Right. All those things. It and, and like you said, with the artificial, with or I don't want to say artificial intelligence, but with the the almost personal digital assistant idea, you now go to the airport and when you walk in, it says, "Oh, you're at the airport. You must need the your ticket that's now in your email address or in your email account. So we're going to just pop it up for you." Right. Right. How helpful is that? So some awareness of location and all that, right? The explosion of all that is made possible by this big data concept.
1: Right. And, and really, you start to see that we are investing, you know, critical functions of how society operates into the internet, into the grid, into the, you know, into the information age to a point where, um, you know, you actually see people who are convinced that there's going to be an apocalypse based on the fact that if the the world internet or the world grid is ever, you know, um, compromised in some massive way that we as a society will no longer be able to function. Uh, Kind of a bizarre idea if you think about it, but, you know, it's, it's uh for those for the, for that school of thought it's within the realm of possibilities right so um, it really uh, goes without saying though that we are you know much more of our daily routines habits and what we rely on from other people is now just being uh, trusted to machines to kind of remind us tell us hold our hand you know show it in show it in fine print for us so oh, it's God. almost we,
0: we can't find anything anymore if it weren't for yeah. the, you know, right I mean I, I remember navigating with maps you know you would before you leave you'd you would look it up on a map, or get directions, God forbid you get directions from somebody to how to get to their house. You sure. You <laughs> don't do that anymore. You're like, can I have your address or even, you know, whatever, and then you just, boom, it just takes you right there. It is, it is. I think, we would have a huge navigation problem if for whatever, you know, if navigation GPS went down for whatever reason. Um, man, we'd have some lost people. Yeah, yeah. You know? without so, a doubt. Well, that that talks about cybersecurity. I mean, that talks about big data, You also got cybersecurity mixed in with this. So what's that all about and how does that relate to this? Right, so the reason why, you know,
1: and, and just as a little pretext, so really I would say I would define big data as one of the first things that I really saw as, uh, hey this is cool in computer science. Like, you know, software engineering, software development, these are all things that help these focus areas, don't get me wrong, and and for me having a computer science degree is going to be essential to doing these things, but you know, learning about big data and learning about big data techniques and implementations, that was cool for me. That was, that was the first time I was like, yeah, I can do this, you know, this is... This is something I'm interested in and I think is um, you know worth pursuing uh, for a career um, and you heard a lot of great things about what big data can do and you've really in this show only heard a small representation of that um, hopefully you have a kind of large image of that but all of that is well and good until you realize that without security um, it, it, it is very easy for all of those kind of big visions to go to waste right so um, cybersecurity uh, quote definition, the state of being protected against the criminal or unauthorized use of electronic data or the measures taken to achieve this. So that that is really kind of a useless definition. Um, so I apologize for having to read it to you. Um, but cybersecurity is going to be much more, much more, much more than just, oh, I have a secure password, right? Because there's, there's so so let me break it down for you. There's, there's, at least three to four different kind of folds of cybersecurity that I think that we're seeing kind of unravel. We see um, personal cybersecurity where you know I have good cyber hygiene practices, I have strong passwords, um, I know how to keep my uh, systems from being compromised in my own personal things that I'm in control of, I know how to keep those things secure, right? Second form of cybersecurity the onus is really on Application and software developers, computer scientists, and corporations. So you know, when Target has a breach of seventy million credit cards, guess what? That's cybersecurity. That's a problem. Um, when uh, you know, and and that's just a financial aspect. But just think how how huge is cybersecurity in the financial sector? It's absolutely imperative to the functionality of the finance sector. Um, Look at U.S. government military operations. Uh, The third fold of that is cyber warfare. Um, And we're getting to the point where um, cybersecurity is oftentimes a more viable and valuable means of warfare to countries than, you know, tanks and guns are. Um, So what does that say about what cybersecurity can do offensively and defensively? Um, But really from a comprehensive uh, view, Cybersecurity is going to be essential in making sure that big data isn't um, manipulated or used in such a fashion that um, you know we kind of we kind of become a victim and and subjected to it rather than uh, benefiting from it and making good use of it. So, um, without having kind of that perspective of okay, we have all of this data, we can do all of these cool things, but if we can't secure all of those really cool things, then we put ourselves at a, um, a, a really dangerous um, crossroads where, you know, we can't control the systems we're putting in place and people are exploiting them, well, now what? Um, and and it, ranges, it ranges beyond the fact of, oh, my bank could be um, emptied. Um, it, it, it starts from, well guess what, New York City doesn't have power right now because a hacker overseas figured out how to get into the grid or uh, a hacker from overseas figured out how to use one of the the data reporting systems that feed some of that big data to control the electric grid yeah he found a vulnerability in that and was able to just shut everything down um, and even privacy 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 is one of the biggest um, debates and you see it in both big data and cybersecurity, and rightly so um, because we can't really have privacy on the internet with cybersecurity, and we can't really control, monitor, and um, properly uh, distribute and share um, big data without cybersecurity. So, really, um, one focus uh, that's going to be non-technical in uh, future shows will be where does privacy come into this? And and at any given time, privacy is really important economic impacts are really important the legal ramifications and our kind of legal perspective in different countries is important and so you start to see that cybersecurity is much more than just the technical source code you know hacker um, kind of stereotype that is portrayed in the news and the media there's um, so many components um, like I said from from the out-of-date uh, legal policies that we have to um, the fact that we really do a terrible job of studying the psychology and the motivations behind cybercrime, cyber cyberterrorism, cyber and that's where criminology actually plays a huge role in a digital age where it used to not really have as much of a, of a place beyond forensic analysis, and so... In the program that I'm in uh, here at the university, um, it's it's a first-year program. It's the first uh, honors college program in the country for cybersecurity, which says something. It's it says that this is an issue that uh, we need to take seriously. It's an issue that uh, corporations care about. It's a issue that corporations are willing to hire and pay people about. It's an issue that the government's willing to hire and pay specialists for, um, and it's clear that there's a huge deficit in talent, knowledge, understanding, and interdisciplinary awareness of cybersecurity. And so the ACES program is really one of the first kind of unilateral responses from the university corporate uh, sponsors and the state of Maryland in saying, we need to start training people to understand this because if we don't, you know, there, there are consequences and there are ramifications of not um, developing our security practices as much as we do our new and cool innovations. Um, and so we're starting to see that you know other universities. Obviously, by no means am I suggesting that you know Maryland is ex- exclusively the cybersecurity um, resource. In fact, there are a lot of other universities doing it. Um, but I would say that the University of Maryland is really at the forefront of cybersecurity. Um, in terms of the research that takes place here, the faculty that we have that focuses on cybersecurity, um, the focus on undergraduate and even K through 12 education. Um, There is a pipeline that the university is establishing of cybersecurity professionals that starts from day one. It starts from kindergarten and goes all the way through post-grad studies and you know even though as a university we're only really focusing on undergraduate and graduate, we really look at the whole picture and our administration and our, our researchers really look at the whole picture and we have K-12 through programs, we do interactive talks, um, you know we're working on uh, actually having some students from our program uh, do community outreach to other high schools, talk about cyber hygiene, uh, cyber awareness, etc. Um, and you start to realize that not only is this a big issue but Um, Maryland really has a very interesting and I think a very practical approach to um, trying to solve the lack of education in this area and also promote new ideas, new approaches, new uh, methodologies and so I would encourage you um, to look at cyber.umd.edu I'll probably reiterate some of these links in future shows if uh, if you haven't listened to the show. Um, Cyber.umd.edu, that is the home web page of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center Um, which let me tell you is one-of-a-kind. I'm really fortunate to be a part of it. Um, I've begun doing research for the Maryland Cybersecurity Center um, this uh, semester. And so there's really... Um, a lot of cool stuff just in research that's happening at cybersecurity. I'd also encourage you to look at the uh, Advanced Cybersecurity Experience for Students. That's the Honors College program that I'm in here for cybersecurity. That's uh, you can find that at Aces a c e s u m d edu. Um, and I would also encourage you to look at. Um, U-M-I-A-C-S dot U-M-D that's just more uh, general advanced research topics and areas in computer science that one's not really entirely applicable to this show but is of interest um, and of course if you want just more general information about uh, the University of Maryland as a research institution uh, just go to umd.edu.
0: dot um, Christian talk a little bit about uh, two You talk about the investment the school is making there into this education. I know there's a new building going on. What what are they building there, and, and what do they hope to achieve with that? Sure.
1: So uh, we have a corporate sponsor for the program, of Grumman, who has invested, um, I believe, $1.2 million in the launch of the program um, and is really a gift from the of Grumman Corporation and came about uh, through a strong collaboration and partnership between the university, um, between the state, and between a um, uh, corporate sponsor, Northrop Grumman, um, the business higher education Forum, and some of the leaders in that form including the CEO of Northrop Grumman and other leaders in the Maryland area um, have really kind of come together to create this program, and so its its goals are, are somewhat twofold. Um, one is addressing that interdisciplinary approach that we're not really seeing at other kind of cyber related efforts that are taking place in education. Really, um, a yes, technical is widely important. Don't get me wrong, but um, interdisciplinary is also essential to solving some of the problems that we see in industry with cybersecurity, um, and so we have the ACES program is a four-year undergraduate program it's a it's what's called a 2 plus 2 so you're gonna get two honors citations by staying through for the whole program and ACES 1 is particularly geared towards that interdisciplinary approach where you're getting courses on ethics, economics, uh, legal implications, privacy implications and technical um, kind of the foundation of the technical skills and then ACES 2 is really upper level dedication to the technical aspects, um, but it really gives you a nice overall well-rounded approach and what Northrop Grumman has done is really stepped in as a corporate sponsor to um, A, provide the uh, funding to launch the Honors College, which uh, is a living learning program at the university, which means that all the students in that particular Honors College live together, we, uh, you know, we live, we eat together, um, we're on the same two floors of our dorm and, you know, we're we're living and learning, that's really what it is, so we end up in classes together, uh, we end up going out to get dinner together, you know, we end up staying up to three o'clock in the morning together, and, you know, what does that really mean? Uh, it means simply the fact that, you know, you get a much more enriched experience when you're around the same people 24-7 than when you're just with them in the classroom um, and some of the best ideas I got last semester didn't come from when I was sitting in the classroom it came from you know at 11 o'clock at night sitting with a couple of my pals you know talking about cyber security and you know bam there's the idea and so you'll actually see one of the hallmark achievements of uh, what we do here is we just have whiteboards everywhere people just write stuff um, you walk into the Maryland Cybersecurity Center all four walls are just plastered with algorithms and cyber approaches and so it's really just a flow of ideas but it also also encourages that community aspect we have really great uh, social experience the group is very uh, tight together and it really kind of helps um, encourage learning and doing advanced work so uh, so that's really great, right? And that's why Northrop Grumman invested in building this new state-of-the-art uh, dorm room for the ACES program, uh, which we'll be sharing. We'll have two exclusive floors for our, uh, our ACES students, uh, which will be freshmen and sophomore next year. Uh, we'll also be sharing that space with uh, Digital Cultures and Creativity, which another is another honors college program at the university. Um, and so it will be, let me tell you, it will be the premier place to live on this university campus and if you've ever had to go through the struggle of um, basically shopping for places to live in the residence life program you get assigned a priority code essentially and that's a calculation of a bunch of different stats um, in your kind of History, academic, etc., at the university, and you have to have the highest priority code possible if you're not in the honors college in order to stay in that place. It's you know it's at the it's at the top rating for people who aren't. But if you're in the Aces program, great because by virtue of being accepted into that program, you uh, you know you have the right to live there. And really, what it is is it's a a state of the art facility. So it's LEED certified, meaning it's. Uh, it's a lean, green fighting machine, and uh, it was uh, the contractor is Clark Construction, and they've done a really fantastic job um, putting that together. And it's—I uh, mean, we just walked by today. It's absolutely gorgeous. We're hoping to get some of the students to do a walk through um, relatively soon. Um, but really, the idea is that you know. So again, living and learning. There's going to be—I mean, uh, if if you've gone to college and you have your memories. Um, you know, and we're staying right now with the engineering honors college students uh, because our, you know, new home is uh, still being built, so to speak. And, you know, the laundry machines are on the ground floor and the walls are all, uh, you know, the jail cell uh, concrete. What's,
0: what's wrong with concrete block walls? that are? Next oh, to
1: I you? have no problem with it. <laughs> Apparently other people are just totally thrown back by it. I it doesn't bug me at all, but, um, you know, so it's a bit of a dated place. We're in it. I think it's fine, again, but don't get me wrong. Um, and, and you know, we have our lounge and everyone shares the same bathrooms and it's all um, uh, traditional suites which is, you know, two people to a room. And uh, this new room is going to, this new uh, facility is going to be suite style. So it's, you know, it's going to be drywall. It's going to be uh, four to a room, nice little suite, uh, shared bathroom. Uh, amongst the four students instead of kind of the community hall bath. There's going to be a uh, separate social lounge and a study lounge. Uh, But the really big kicker for the ACES program is that so we have a Northrop Grumman conference room. There's going to be places to do conferences. All of our classrooms will be right in the same building we're living in. So, um, you know, right on that same building within the campus, we're going to be living and learning. Um, And on the ground floor of that facility is going to be a state-of-the-art cybersecurity facility Um, exclusive for ACES students where we'll be able to do research in cybersecurity quantification which is really exciting. Um, It will also be hooked in directly to the internet backbone and you're probably sitting here, well how is that possible? Well, the University of Maryland and I don't think many people know this, but the University of Maryland is one of 48 systems in the world that runs the internet. It is one of the internet backbone relays And in terms of DNS, uh, so the kind of internet, um, the internet backbone is really what describes the traffic kind of flowing and routing through to all of the different systems that are on the internet, right? But there's also another aspect to how the internet works and that is DNS or domain name uh, services and resolution and... Maryland is what's called one of the root DNS servers so there's what's called A through M root servers in the world so a-root.server.net root through M so that's about 10 or, 10 or 12 uh, servers and those are what are called the authoritative name servers that store all the data for this IP that matches with this domain name so google.com is this IP the average guy.tv is this IP etc and the University of Maryland is one of those root servers they are the fourth server in the listing and there's no other universities in that listing they're all um, you know DARPA, NASA um, government agencies, military agencies, ICANN, which does all the domain name work. I mean, big players on, you know, the structure and creation of the Internet. The University of Maryland is the only academic institution that runs, that has a spot on the root server list. And so we have uh, our campus network, obviously, but then we also have a separate subnet, which is the Internet backbone, which is the publicly accessible place where you can do um, DNS resolution. So. You know, it really is a a fantastic place to be um, for cybersecurity just because, hey, guess what? We're right, we are here. We are a, you know, substantial living, breathing, built, uh, structured area of the Internet where tons of traffic takes place. Um, And so that's really exciting, Um, but that also means that I get to go home and, you know, download an ISO off TechNet at uh, 500 megabytes per second and you know I, I you know I download things in about you know two seconds instead of uh, in the usual two hours that it takes for most people to download a you know whatever large file it is on their home connection uh, so that's really gonna be a a fantastic opportunity for students to do research learning it's all right there like it like I said the idea behind it is that living learning is all in one building one place And it's going to be the home for the cybersecurity students. And I think it's made a big impression with the students here. I think a lot of people are incredibly excited about it. Um, And uh, going forward, it's going to be one of those things where, yeah, you're getting your education from your computer science degree and so forth, but you come back to your home base where, you know, The students that I go to school with in the cybersecurity program in ACES, you know, some of them are computer science majors, some of them are math majors, some of them are economics majors. Really nice cross-discipline engineering majors as well, of course. Uh, They would be very angry if I left them out. but really having all of those different academic fields you know we're all doing aces but we're all doing these different things as well that are technical or non-technical in nature that really makes for a conducive learning environment where we can explore all these things and do the level of research that we want to do so that's kinda of the vision that's where the funding's is going uh, that's where the program supports going um, obviously things are kinda of very dynamic and uh, this first aces cohort um, has somewhat of a leadership role in a defining how this program is going to look but more importantly, um, providing the feedback and the experiences that are going to make it um, you know a really top-notch program for future students coming in and we the university has already admitted uh, done admi- regular admissions decisions. Um, you know I've started uh, writing letters to our top talented students uh, who have applied to the university um, and, and so it's really going to be, a real treat to see this program unfold because, A, it's going to be one of a kind, but, um, you know, I'm very privileged to be a part of the program and to have this opportunity. And again, um, I'm hoping to kind of capture all these experiences, what I'm getting in the classroom, what I'm learning um, with my passion for things like big data and other technologies, and provide it to all of you in a podcast where you may get some of it, you may not get you know the whole picture, but you're going to be able to take away something every time you listen to this podcast. And whether it's technical or whether it's a current event, um, I'm hoping that you're going to become more informed about these issues. The uh, and again, not just technical, but the whole kind of spectrum and the whole gamut of what's going on here. Um, but I'm really hoping to be able to bring the university you, and to bring the University of Maryland and the education that I'm getting here to this podcast. Um, And so, you know, our beginning kind of quote is, it's the podcast that's not on a schedule, but um, I'm hoping that this almost becomes... uh, a part of my studies in the sense that I can recap and condense what I'm learning um, into this podcast. Because if I can provide you guys a good podcast, it means I'm doing my homework. It means I'm understanding and learning these concepts. Because I wouldn't be able to talk about it in front of you if I wasn't getting this world-class education. So, um, my goal is to be behind the scenes, uh, working on my C code, working on my cybersecurity projects. Uh, you know, taking the tests and the quizzes, and then uh, you know Fridays when hey I have no classes. I get my studying and stuff done before the evening and then the evening, I'm here, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to condense everything that we've been doing here the past week. I'm here to bring you that information, tie it into current news and events, and really start to unravel some of the questions that I think the average guy really doesn't get exposure to, and I think they, they should, because uh, these are exciting topics, and they're very applicable, um, and if you don't get anything else out of it, you might be able to pick up one or two fun facts that you can use to impress people you talk with at dinner. I mean, I, I don't really know, but I, I'm hoping that this is something that we can have fun with, uh, something that a lot of people can get involved with, and I really, really hope, and hope that I didn't stress this too late in the podcast, that I want this to be a podcast for everyone. I want it to be a podcast for the student who's in high school who wants to be a computer science major. I want this to be a podcast for um, the 40-year-old guy who just came back from work and Um, works as a banker and wants to learn about the implications of what he's doing in the finance sector. I want it to be for the college student who is not at the University of Maryland or who is at a different program in the University of Maryland who wants to augment their university learning experience. I want it to be something where everyone feels like they can be part of this online podcast learning community and I want it to be a different feel from you know the podcasting that I've done from the past three years and make it something where it's interactive so I'm really gonna work hard to get um, some really nice interviews speak with some people and really bring the university life and uh, the excitement of what goes on here to this podcast
0: yeah no I think it's a great opportunity Christian I'm excited about uh, what's ahead for us in this and you, know, you mentioned the schedule. I, I kind of poked fun of it at the beginning by saying, um, and how did I word that, uh, never on a schedule but always up to date and uh, trying to get the idea that uh, we may not have a regular podcast. In fact, this might be a hard one to catch live because Christian's life is very dynamic there. And there might be times we need to do it on Saturday or on Sunday based on a schedule. We're going to shoot for Fridays. That's kind of the goal. won't be every single week. Maybe every other, maybe every third. just kind of depends on what's going on around finals. That's, uh, that's not it's not easy to get done. But we will absolutely be bringing uh, relevant topics to you. Interaction is key, I think, on this as well. I would mentioned you can send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Christian is just christian at theaverageguy.tv. He's got that same email address, and you can send the notes directly to him if you're interested in something that he says, and you're like, can I get some more details on it? That would be great. We got that number, you know, 402-478-8450. You can just leave it. Maybe you're thinking of it when you're driving. Just leave that message for me, and I'll play it right on the right here on the program. And uh, and Christian can answer that. I I think you would be silly if you're listening if you've made it all the way to this point. You're a home tech listener. If you're a tech professional, I think you'd be silly not to come over and listen to this and give it a give it a whirl. Listen to it in the car. Christian's got some good stuff. I I you know just this is a natural evolution of what we've done, and it was just a great opportunity to kind of break something out for Christian and give him. You can see already, if, again, if you listen to it, he's going to have a lot of great things to say, so we're looking forward to that um, as well. Christian, so maybe we should have a takeaway segment in this where we at least guarantee one solid takeaway for somebody every, you know, every single show. As you think back to your last semester, you said a lot of good things that I took away. I mean, you've mentioned already the backbone idea with, the, with that university being on the backbone and being an important part of the Internet, especially here in the United States. Things like that. What would be one, uh, what would be one solid takeaway you would want to leave with somebody, you know, uh, uh, before they, you know, before they go into work? Now they're pulling in the parking lot. They shut the car off. They're waiting for you, for your one takeaway. What's the first semester takeaway for you?
1: Okay, so I'm going to have to rephrase your question because I'm not sure if I fully understand it. So the takeaway from this particular show or from my first semester experience?
0: No, from your first semester experience there, if, if you were going to give a takeaway to somebody and say, sure, hey, in the first semester, this is one thing I really want to impress upon somebody that I learned that I want to pass on to you, what would that be?
1: Yeah, so we actually uh, had an after show, I think, maybe a month or so back where we kind of took some of these things, and uh, so my takeaway for this week is going to be time management. Um, Plan ahead and really, um, so actually I'm going to do two takeaways because I think they're very mutually informal, uh, informative of one another, so time management, which... Uh, goes beyond just I can write a planner, I can use a calendar, um, I'm disciplined, I know when to sit down, but the real big thing for me that I took away uh, in my first semester was if you're stuck on a problem, if you're stuck with something, don't be afraid to ask. If you're that guy in the classroom who doesn't ask a question because you don't understand something, you're gonna be that guy in the classroom that is helping the curve for everyone else because you're gonna be you know lowering the bar. So It's not like you raise your hand when you go into work and say, I have a question, but, you know, really rely on peers because there's always going to be people who are smarter than you. There's always going to be people who aren't. Um, And it is really, especially in a university or academic setting like I'm in, um, I've really relied on being able to talk with my peers and whether it's just bouncing off ideas and having a discussion or whether it's, you know, hey, I'm I'm here in this problem and, and I've taken a good look at this problem and I've gotten so far, but I really can't get past this step, what do you think? That's hugely valuable in the learning process. Not just for you in resolving it, but for someone to be able to come in and teach it. It reinforces it for them, too. And it's really kind of one of those uh, good deeds that um, goes around because you might help someone and then find a week later that you're in a predicament that, hey, guess what? They have the perfect answer for And why is that related to time management? because if you're too prideful and thinking that oh I need to answer everything you know 100% by myself I have to reinvent the wheel every single time well, guess what? When you're sitting there on the fourth hour on the same problem and you still don't get it, you're going to look, A, really stupid, but B, you've just totally destroyed any notion you had of time management. And it's about working efficiently and effectively, not so much about how hard you work. Obviously, working hard is important, but there is there is such a thing as overworking. Um, and generally, I found that that tend to, tended to happen when um, I didn't, you know, raise my hand or go right next door to the next door over and say you know hey so and so what do you think so whether you're at work or whether you're reading something on the internet or whatever it is sometimes doesn't hurt
0: just to ask for
1: a simple question
0: very cool yeah very good time management ask questions there's your takeaway we'll have a takeaway segment each time see we're gonna kinda we're kinda still figuring out the format here too uh, of, of some of the things we want to add and of course you can have a big influence on that as well. Christian, anything else you want to cover? We've we've come up on an hour or so. Anything else you want to jump in and talk about?
1: No, I mean I really want to kind of let these ideas sink in. Um, I encourage you guys to go and look at the links I rattled off to you, cyber.umd.edu, aces.umd.edu, um, just umd.edu, Um, Also, like I said, start, you know, look at your feed burner, look at your news feeds and maybe... Just try and pick out one or two articles that you think might be applicable and if you're listening to this show next time around, uh, put them in an email to me and I'll try and give them some context, either there's something that's going on here or just in general give my opinion about them. Um, so see if you can start detecting these ideas, these topics, cybersecurity, big data, um, in the things that you're reading daily because let me tell you, they're, they're there, um, you just have to look for it. Uh, so. Uh, and, and sometimes it's right in front of you too. So um, I would say that's your homework assignment for the week, um, so to speak. And uh, next week, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this is the foundational layer of what we're doing here and what these topics are. So in future podcasts, um, if someone asks what the Big idea here is I'm literally going to say you need to go back and listen to show number one, right? Because I'm not going to bore you guys to death. Uh, I'm just going to keep moving forward and drilling down. So my hope is that this show is kind of the home base, so to speak, where you know you're laying the foundation of the house, and now we're going to focus uh, on the details of each different room in that house. Um, that's that's where we are right now. So. Um, future shows, I I believe I'm going to start. You know, I think I might, I think I might start breaking into some technical work on uh, uh, the next show. There's definitely a lot that we're doing over here right now, uh, and I also want to get some more current events and start talking about. Like I said, I I touched on privacy, finance, economics, but I didn't, I didn't go into detail with uh, most of any of those. So we'll spend some time on those different topics. So just make sure you have your home base and uh, come come back next show. Uh, ears attentive and uh, ready to learn and contribute and uh, I really hope and look forward to hearing from uh, listeners from our current shows from the Average Guy Network and uh, new listeners. I I really, like I said, I want this to be something that everyone can have fun with and be involved with and feel like they're getting some secondary education from uh, my experiences here at the University.
0: Very cool. Well lots of ways to contact us. And uh, you know, I'll just remind you again: Jim at theaverageguy.tv, Christian at theaverageguy.tv. You can call that in four zero two four seven eight eighty four fifty. Catch me on Twitter at Jay Collison. Christian, do you want to you want to talk about your Twitter? Do you want to use that in this context?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to give me a shout out, it's at the thewizbmtthewizbmt. Um, don't ask me how I got that handle; it's too long of a story. <laughs> um, it's and and I will also be rebroadcasting the Average Guy feed um, when it's broken off into our own podcast feed out at my website, christian-johnson.net. That feed will be incorporated, and I'll probably post start posting some links and articles that are relevant to the discussions we have. And my hope is that the more feedback we get from the community, the more I'll be inclined to post and provide you guys with some outside reading and content.
0: Yeah, very good. This will actually sound a lot like I'm going to use the same music for that we use for home tech just for the next couple of weeks. I want to find some stuff. I want to I wanted to kind of feel where we went with this thing before we you know kinda of kicked in a bunch of stuff. I'll have, uh, We're gonna stick the home tech lo- home tech logo on it for now. I'll probably leave it out of the video though just so that it'll be a little more universal when we go forward. And uh, just give it an opportunity to kind of marinate for the next couple shows and see what we come up with. Then once we've got what we want we'll break that loose. It'll get its own feed. You can subscribe to it on your own if you'd like but uh, Home Tech listeners, again, let me encourage you. Give it a couple weeks. I think you'll like this. I think uh, the guys that we've kind of guys and gals we've attracted for Home Tech, I think you're gonna like it. So, sorry if I interrupted your regular Home Tech schedule on this. I hope if you made it by this point, you're probably engaged in it. It was probably okay, and uh, we will encourage you. I'll probably Christian, I will probably release this like on a Wednesday or so in the middle of the week, so that we do Home Tech on the weekends and uh, and this one right in the middle just to get it done and so folks will get it in their feed as well. Well Christian thanks for taking an hour stay around for a little bit we'll chat with uh, there's some interesting guys out in the in the chat room maybe we can get some instant feedback from them you will wanna follow me on Twitter if you wanna get this in real time and find out when we're gonna do this because the schedule will be kinda wonky follow me at Jay Collison on Twitter and of course you can join our Facebook page facebook.com groups slash the average guy will get you there as well Christian thanks for coming out tonight we'll do it again whenever Whenever. Right? Whenever we decide to do it. No schedule, but uh, always up to date. And we'll be back again to do it again. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Again, we'd love your feedback. Good night. Good night.